Hello, I'm Andrea, a nomadic soul, and this is Feel Like Home, a podcast created by Homedify, where we embrace the unknown of moving periodically. We share our thoughts and we build a community where home is everywhere. It is a virtual space with people who decided to live in a different way and became citizens of the world. Alex is from Argentina and I met him because he wanted to come to Romania, but his plans are postponed for at least a year. Hi Alex, how are you? What do you tell us about you? Andrew, I'm good. I'm stuck in Sydney right now. Uh, yeah, the plan was to go to Poland for a month and then stay in Romania for five to six months. I'm a bit tired of moving around, so I guess I'm forced to stop moving around for the time being. Why did you choose Romania? Why not any other country? Have you been here before? I have not been to Romania yet. Uh, a few years ago, I had plans of moving with a partner at that time, but we we broke up, so that didn't go through. But I still had the idea of going to Romania. I've seen pictures. It looks beautiful, and I, lo- I love castles, and I love medieval stuff, so that's basically the main reason why I wanted to go there. Well, Romania is my home country and I'll tell you a secret, we do have a lot of castles and the countryside is wonderful. But I'm thinking now, what other places did you love before? Where have you been? Where have you lived, actually? So I lived in Argentina until I was 25, but I never liked it. I mean, I know lots of people Travel to Argentina and love it as a tourist, but living there is a different story, as you may know, in Romania. Uh, when I was 25, I went to Canada as a, so I, I'm a sound engineer or sound technician, and I went to the band center, which is in the Rockies. And I spent two and a half years there. The first year I was recording music and working with audio for video. And the second year and a half, I did theater sound and sound for events and that kind of stuff. I would say the most beautiful place I've lived in and I've seen. It's basically a national park with an art center in the middle. Um, I'd say that was the very best place I lived in. Then I could not stay there because they changed the rules. So I was not allowed to get a PR or get any kind of visa. And I ended up going to Australia with a working holiday for almost a year. I managed to find a job that was going to sponsor me. But uh, we didn't get along with the owner. Actually, nobody got along with the owner. And I decided that the visa was not worth it. So I went back to Argentina. Uh, I had applied for my citizenship, I think, a year before. And so I was still waiting for it. And while I was in Argentina, I got a random email from a guy in Lebanon inviting me to a sound engineer position in Dubai. We had no connections, nothing. All he said was that he liked my LinkedIn. So if anyone ever says that you cannot get a job through LinkedIn, I did get get one and it was international. So I ended up going to Dubai, spent around nine months there. It was not the place for me. And while I was there, I actually finally got my Italian citizenship and said, okay, I'm going to go full remote and I'm going to just travel for pleasure and live wherever I want. 
and that brought me to New Zealand last year. I spent some time in Bali, came to Australia, and now I'm stuck. Well, that's quite a long story. And while you were talking, I realized that remote was not your first option, isn't it? So basically what I, what I always wanted was either a work visa or a residence or a citizenship. So working remotely was not going to give me any of those options. And I did not know if I could get the Italian citizenship. So my idea to live abroad at first was to get a scholarship, which is how I stayed in Canada. Uh, then when that did not happen and I couldn't get a sponsorship, I tried to get a sponsorship in Australia. Uh, but yeah, no, I only started working remotely around two years ago, maybe a little bit more. And now after two years, would you go back to that lifestyle, like getting a working visa or citizenship in Australia or maybe Canada and settle down there? No, I like I, I tell everyone there's only two reasons that would keep me in one single country. That would be either a sponsorship that is for a job that's only 10 hours a week with a full, full salary or getting married. And none of those two options seem very likely right now. So I'm going to stick to remote work. To be honest, I do miss working in recording studios, working in theaters, doing live sound, working with music. But the freedom that I have now of not waking up with an alarm, not rushing for anything or anyone, taking my time, enjoying the day, doing whatever I want, whenever I want, wherever I want, and just telling my clients, that to me is press. And that's not something that I was used to. I was used to working weekends, working 50 to 60 hours a week. Uh, last notice, like I would get an email saying that the next morning I had a band that I had to record or I would be doing a live show until 3 a.m. or 4 a.m. and then I would have a recording at 10 a.m. the same day, actually. So everything has its pros and cons, but right now I think I do not want to go back to having to go somewhere to do a job. That would be dreadful. I totally understand you, but now I think, what did you learn in these two years of working remotely and changing locations? What did I not learn? From the remote side, not so much the working remotely, but mostly the freelancing side. I was always someone who thought I will always work for an employer, let the employer pay for everything, like all the gear, everything, let the employer look for clients, let the employer do everything, I'll just go and do my job. And now, since I started freelancing, I realized that by freelancing, I can choose the clients that I want. I can set boundaries of how much I want to work, how much I want to get paid, who I want to work with. It was not anything to learn, but it was really, really worth it. Right now, I love my clients. They're amazing. Um, they love me. They pay me what I want and they think it's worth it. Honestly, I think this is the best decision I've made in a very, very long time. I haven't had a headache with, from a client for at least, I would say, a year and a half. 
pretty much. That's great. And I would say you're really lucky. But what challenges did you have at the very beginning and maybe after that? Okay, so the, the, the way I work and my mind works is whenever I find a cha- I have a challenge, I read, I take courses, I investigate and do research as much as I can so that I can get better deals. Before I actually started full-time freelancing, what I did was I read those blogs. I found one in particular that I loved. I followed the advice on those blogs. And I said, okay, if this advice works, then I'll pay, then I'll pay for the actual course with the money that I make from the freelancing. And to be honest, that was one of the best decisions I've ever made. So, for example, one of the things that I read was forget about the budget. You have to ask for what you know is worth the job. And my very first job, so I, I basically work via app work for the most part, or pretty much, I would say, 100%. I, I get maybe random jobs here and there, but it's almost all app work. So when I started, I read that you should not give a crap about what the budget is. So the very first job that I got, well, the budget was 50 bucks, and I won by asking 150 bucks, so three times the budget. Um, then the next job that I, that I got, I think I was almost twice as much as the most expensive person otherwise, or just, just as much as the average, I can't remember, but it was also very good. But that was just because I did my research and I didn't listen to what everyone else was saying. Uh, when I started saying that I wanted to work less than 30 hours a week, people thought I was crazy. When I said that I wanted to work remotely doing audio, people thought I was crazy. And right now I'm working roughly 15 to 20 hours a week. I'm doing audio and I'm traveling. Uh, but if I'd say a lesson that I learned, I would say, uh, the more you charge, the better the clients are. And that's something that I didn't think was true, but it, it actually is. Like as soon as I started moving up the ladder, the clients started getting nicer and nicer and they started praising me more for my work than the cheaper clients. That's amazing, especially because I tried to use Upwork and for me, it didn't work. I didn't try hardly, but I just superficially tried and I felt it was too difficult because there are thousands of people on Upwork and I, I wondered why would they choose me and they wouldn't choose another person. Uh, well, th- that's one of the main things that I had to learn, right? So I was never good at asking for money. I was never good at selling myself. I was never good at the business side of things, which is why I always wanted to work for an employer. But I ended up learning that, and actually I was talking about this with my housemate yesterday or the day before, I don't say thank you anymore, except when it is actually that something that I am thankful for. Most freelancers and most people think that the other person is making them a favor by hiring them. So they approach the sales speech or they approach the prospective client with the mindset of, please hire me, please do me a favor of hiring me. 
Whereas the approach that I learned and that has been working for me is you need help. I can help you. Now, you're going to thank me for helping you because I'm, I'm agreeing to work with you. And it's a completely different thing. It, it, and it's not, it's not about thinking that I am above them. It's about thinking that I have something of value to give to the other person and that I, uh, they are not doing me a favor. I could be rejecting them. And I have rejected people because we're not a good fit or because I did not like them or because they're, they wanted everything done yesterday. Right. So I found that the approach of, okay, you need help with this. I can help you with this. Now I have bills to pay. Therefore, I have to charge you for this. But I am helping you. And I think that's the main mindset shift that you need in order to succeed. And it's not about, again, it's not about I'm better than you. It's about I have something of value that I'm willing to share with you for whatever price it is. That's a mindset that I couldn't think of. But now I'm thinking, did you have any bad experience with a client? Oh, yeah. I mean, like, like everybody, mostly, I would say the bad experiences were people who wanted too much and didn't help you. For example, at least in my field, if the recording sounds bad, there's only so much I can do. Now, this goes back to the cheaper clients. So the cheaper clients, for the most part, they will want to sound like the very best of the very best, but the raw material they will give you will be almost impossible to work with. Now, the most expensive clients are willing to put in the effort, the time and the money to give you something that you can work with and something that is already good and all you have to do is make it sound better. Um, So the bad experiences that I had were mostly people who were saying, oh, I want this to sound professional. I want to be number one. So basically, I, I work mostly with podcasts and it's like, oh, I want to be on the top chart for this category. I want this to sound like this guy. And that guy has been doing this for 20 years and he's a professional radio speaker and he has $10,000 worth of equipment and a room that's properly designed for recording. You're not going to get to that quality if you don't have all of that and maybe even more because you also have to know how to talk and how to uh, use your voice, right? So normally the issues that I had with clients was that they, they had very high expectations. So as soon as I learned that, the first thing I would do was, okay, what do you want and what are you giving me? And I would tell you what we can do with it. If you don't like what I'm telling you, then I'm more than happy for you to go with someone else. And the same thing goes with deadlines. I have had clients asking me, if I could finish something in 24 hours. And the truth is, no. I tell all my clients, 72 hours is my turnaround. And if you don't like it, I'm happy for you to go with someone else who is happy to run behind you when you're behind schedule. Those are usually the types of issues that I have had. Um, I Normally, when I see the first one or two red flags, I tell the client that I that I either will not work with them or if we have already been working with them that this is not working and that they have to find someone else. 
because I I have already been stressed out in the past. Uh, theater and bands and recording and film, you basically uh, run and then wait and then rush again and then wait again. It's it's hurry up and wait every single day. And I'm not willing to do that anymore. And that's part of the work that you have to do as a freelancer. It's accept that you may or may not agree to some things and you may have to let go of some clients. In fact, up until January, I have been working with a single client for almost one year. And at one point, things didn't work between us anymore. And I said, look, uh, I'm happy for you to go and find someone else. And that's what he did. And so since February, I've been starting to look for new clients again. And it's fine. It's honestly fine. I'm actually happier now than when I was not enjoying that client. Is happiness what you're looking for in general? Pretty much everything. And what makes you happy? That's a hard question. What makes me happy? I would say what makes me happy is freedom. Freedom that I did not know until I started working remotely and freelancing. Um, I think for most of my life until maybe two years ago, my schedule depended, depended on other people. My place of residence depended on the government. I had to follow other people's rules. I mean, to be honest, I'm a sound engineer. It's not like I was forced to be one, right? I always did what I wanted. But for example, today, today was Monday. I woke up and I said, oh, it's about to rain. I'm going to go to groceries because I can. I went, did groceries, spent almost a whole morning going to different supermarkets here in Sydney. They came back, then had lunch, and I started working around 2 p.m. because I wanted. Uh, some other time, it would have been, okay, looking at the calendar, what do I have to do? What does my boss say I have to do? Okay, what does this client say I have to do? That's, that hasn't even been a thing for the past two years. For example, I was going to go to Romania, right? And I was like, okay, I'm going to go there. I'm going to spend six months. Then I want to go to Argentina in November. But I had one month in the middle that I did not want, didn't know what to do. I was thinking Spain. Then a friend of mine told me she was pregnant in Poland. And I said, okay, fair enough. I'll go to Poland first before Romania because I can. And I said, I'll go for two weeks. And then I spent two weeks in Spain. And then, she, then my friend said, look, you're coming in the middle of Easter. This was before coronavirus. We're coming in the middle of Easter. Uh, can't you come earlier or later? And I said, no, I already have my flight to go at that time, but I'm going to stay for a month because I can. And that because I can, I think is pretty much what makes me the happiest. So nowadays it's more about you than about the others, right? Yes. Is there anything that you miss from your old lifestyle? I do miss working with art. I do miss uh, working with music. When I go to a concert, I miss being behind the soundboard. When I listen to a very good album, I miss being in the studio recording. But as soon as I look at myself and see that I'm working in my pajamas, I'm like, okay, it's fine. I'll, uh, the, the trade-off is worth it. Uh, and if I get too nostalgic, I have tons and tons of audio files that I can just re-download from my Dropbox and spend the whole night mixing. And no one will tell me that it sounds bad because there's not going to be anyone next to me to tell me that it sounds bad. So um, 
I, I do think it's a good trade-off. The other option would be, if I really wanted, I could look for remote work with music. But the issue with that is that I would have to look for new clients every time I finish a project, which I don't, do not have to do with podcasts, which is why I chose podcasts for the most part. Podcast is usually every week a new episode, so I know that I have regular work. I know my clients. I have the clients that I like, and I don't have to guess what it is that they want. It might take a bit of guesswork for the first two, three episodes. After that, it goes super smooth. If I were doing music, I would be all the time double-guessing myself and thinking, okay, is the client going to like this? Is this okay? Is this not okay? How is this going to sound? How is this not is going to work? Is it not going to work? So right now, even though I do miss working with music and working with art and artists, uh, I do not miss working with artists in the sense that uh, sometimes they're a bit hard to work with. That's interesting because for me, I I like art, but I never worked with art, so I never thought of the flaws or drawbacks from this perspective. But now if we move to another direction, I'm thinking, what are you looking for when you choose a new location? What do you follow? Some, some people travel for the sightseeing, some people travel for the culture. I travel to meet my friends. You have friends um, all over the world? Uh, yeah, pretty much. Uh, except for, I think, Africa. I don't think I have any Africa. Apart from Africa, I think I have friends pretty much everywhere. Or at least who are from everywhere. Uh, so, you, you know the, those maps that you can scratch out the countries that you've been to? Uh, mm-hmm. In my case, I scratch out the countries that I know people from. When I was a teenager, I don't know, up I don't think you've heard of it, but have you? Do you know ICQ, the software? No. It was one of the very first messenger um, app softwares, and it had an option that was uh, I don't know if it was called roulette or something like that. It was so basically what you did was you went there, clicked a button, and it would give you a random person from somewhere in the world, and you could just chat with them. And this is before before the year 2000. So internet was a pretty new thing for almost everyone, especially in Argentina. And I was just amazed at being able to talk to foreigners. That has always been my my thing. It's like I'm talking to someone completely different than me with a completely different background from a completely different culture. And back then I told my parents that I wanted to, to get a map and to and to mark where I had friends in the world. I, I never did it. Now I do have a map and I can actually say, okay, I'm marking the people that I know in, that I've met in person. But what I enjoy the most about traveling is saying, okay, I'm go- I want to go and visit these friends. Like my friend who was pregnant and now she had a baby. There's actually now four Polish friends of mine who had babies in Poland. So that's my excuse to travel. I go somewhere to visit friends. I make more friends where I go. And that gives me another excuse to go and visit them. But I very rarely travel to places where I don't know anyone. I would say Romania is one of the main exceptions. The other exception was the UK. I went there when I first went to Europe because I wanted to visit Tolkien's grave, the, the author of Lord of the Rings. But apart from that, I almost never traveled just for travel's sake. I enjoy visiting my friends or family. Do you have a big family? Oh, no. 
just my parents and me, and then there's my aunt and my cousin and my grandmother, and that's it. But it's also one of the reasons why I enjoy working remotely, because while I was in Canada, my grandfather passed away. And because I had already scheduled a flight to go there like three weeks later, and I had my appointment with the Italian embassy for the citizenship, I decided not to go to Argentina when he passed away. And that's something that even if I don't feel guilty, it's something I do not want to repeat. So I keep some money aside at all times so that if something happens to anyone in my, in my family, I know that I just, I just can get the first flight out of here, out of wherever I am, and go there. Now, fair enough. Now, with coronavirus, I cannot do that. But before this, I could. That's something that terrifies me as well whenever I travel. It's not that something bad would happen to me, because I'm kind of optimistic from this perspective. But always I wonder, what if something happens to the ones that I love? How do I manage to come back? And what would it mean? So it's funny that whenever my mom calls me and I'm abroad, I'm kind of, oh my God, did anything happen? Well, in my case, I, I talked to my parents, I would say, at least at least once a week, maybe twice a week. In Latin America, we're pretty close to our families. I don't know how it is in, in Europe or Romania. I know that in North America, I know people who barely talk to their parents like once a year for Christmas, if. Uh, but in our case, we're very, very close to our parents and our families. So, in fact, my mom complains that I don't call often enough and we pretty much talk at least twice a week. We talk once a week and my mom also complains that we do not talk enough and we should call each other a little bit more often. But I'm not going to tell her how it, things are in South America because then she will tell me to call her even more often. <laughs> well, I know my my dad calls my grandmother every single day. And the running joke in our family is every time he misses a day for whatever reason, the next day that he calls, she's like, oh, hello. As in, oh, I haven't heard from you for a long time. It's only been one single day, right? We are getting close to an end and I have one last question. What do you need to feel like home? It's hard to feel like home when you're moving all, more all the time. So the... The main thing that I use to feel like home is I have black bed sheets. I actually have black everything except for my MacBook. And I bought black bed sheets when I was here in Australia four years ago. And to me, I just go everywhere, everywhere with my bed sheets. And when I see my bed and see that it's all black, I'm like, okay, it's my bedroom at least. Even if it's not my house, even if it's not my kitchen, and it's my bedroom, it's my bed, it's my black bed sheet okay so it's about your back black bed sheets is there anything else that you always carry with you so you feel like home or is there anything that you look for in an apartment uh well the main thing i look for in an apartment is having a desk and a chair in my bedroom because I, I unlike other nomads i need a quiet space because i work with audio and even though i, ha I use headphones um i do need a quiet space so what i need in it wherever I go is a desk and a chair in a private room. But apart from that, I would say that I think everything I have is replaceable. And I actually made it, made it like that on purpose. So any, anything can happen, even to my black bed sheets, that's okay. And I know that I can, everything's on the cloud. So whatever happens, I can just 
buy the gear again and download everything again and I can be up and running in just maybe a couple of days. But I would say no, actually since I became more nomadic, actually no, since I left Canada, I had to throw up throw away a lot of things and I became quite detached from material possessions. I know that sounds very zen, but that's actually how it is. This is amazing because it feels like people tend to be attached to a lot of things and to keep them with them for such a long time honestly for me it's not like that but then i'm thinking is there a place that you could call home at the moment no i'm i'm actually looking for home i'm looking for home either in a place or in a person but i have never felt home in argentina and i have never really felt home anywhere i felt like i had a home living with my parents, but I never felt at home in the country. Do you have any idea where your home would be? Or you're still just looking? I'm still looking. I have absolutely no clue. Part of my idea of going to Europe this year was to start going around Europe because now that I'm I'm Italian, I can live anywhere in Europe. So part of my idea was, okay, I'm going to spend a few months in different countries and see if there's anywhere that I feel actually at home. There may not be, or there may be. I do not know. But so far, the only place that I did want to stay, I was not allowed to, to stay, which was in Banff in Canada. If I had the chance, I would totally stay there, but I will not sacrifice my remote work just to stay in Canada or any other country. That's a non-negotiable <laughs> would you like to go back to Canada if you get the chance? I would love to. I I'm actually thinking about looking into. I think there's there are some self-employed visas which I hope I could qualify maybe, but I'm not sure. But I'm honestly not to worry about it. My main goal was to be out of Argentina, and Europe has enough countries that I should be able to find somewhere that I like. Thank you, Alex. It was really nice talking to you and get to know you. I hope we will see next year here in Romania. This is Feel Like Home, a podcast that will appear every Friday at 9am GMT on Spotify, YouTube and Anchor. Follow our podcast, share it with your friends and let's discover how to feel like home everywhere. Have a nice weekend and see you soon!